Live by every word. That is the challenge and the opportunity the Bible gives to you. This program examines the actual words that have proceeded out of the mouth of God Himself so we can use them to guide our paths and live by them in our everyday lives. This is Live by Every Word. Thanks for joining me today here on Live by Every Word. I'm Dwight Falk. This is Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG. We're online at kpcg.fm. And we have a live link at thetrumpet.com. You can listen to our programming here or anywhere where you like to get your podcasts. Sometimes when people are looking at events in the world today, they will wonder why God doesn't intervene in bigger ways. There's tragedies and calamities and accidents and all kinds of things that happen. And it's natural, I suppose, for people to wonder why those things occur. But we do have to understand that God has perfect timing for his plan, and he will soon intervene. And when he does, when Jesus Christ returns, the world will be different. There won't be the wars we see. There won't be the poverty we see. There won't be the crime we see. There won't be the diseases. The world will be changed dramatically. At that time, no one will question where God is or what he's doing. It will be apparent for everyone to see. The world today will be replaced by the world tomorrow. It's going to be a different world, dramatically so, and so much better. When God sets his hand to save the world, he will save it. There won't be any question as to what's happening. But there's a time sequence to it, and mankind is learning some pretty hard lessons today before the return of Jesus Christ. God will have total success. He will have total victory. And he will set his hand to save the world. And when he does, it will be saved. After Christ returns and takes over the rule of this earth, and he'll depose Satan, the devil, and he'll be locked away and Jesus Christ will be ruling, that will be a time of great growth, peace, happiness. There'll be a lot of rejoicing. And we look at that time period each year. God wants us to really think about that time period after Jesus Christ returns and remember what it's going to be like and think about what it's going to be like and realize that uh, there is a cause for it. There's a cause for it. God's law, God's government being implemented will change everything. And we remember that and we think about that and we look ahead to that time when we keep God's Feast of Tabernacles. Each year, God's Feast of Tabernacles foreshadows this wonderful time that's just ahead of us, this world and the way that it will be after the return of Jesus Christ. Notice the command here to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. This is in Deuteronomy 16. There's also uh, a command in Leviticus 23. But we'll look at this in Deuteronomy 16 to begin with. And if you have a Bible handy, please get it out, and we can look at these together, look at some of these uh, passages. Deuteronomy 16 and verse 13. It says, You shall observe the Feast of Tabernacles seven days. After that, you have gathered in your corn and your wine. So ancient Israel, of course, they had the crops and things that they would be bringing in. Verse 14, And you shall rejoice. 
in your feast. You and your son and your daughter and your manservant and your maidservant and the Levite and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow that are within your gates. This was a time of rejoicing for everyone. It was the Feast of Tabernacles, an exciting time of the year. Verse 15, seven days shall you keep a solemn feast unto the eternal your God in the place which the eternal shall choose. God has to choose the place, and he has to do that through his government, through his church. Because the eternal your God shall bless you in all your increase and in all the works of your hands, therefore you shall surely rejoice. See, God does bless us today when we obey him. And in the world tomorrow, there will be blessings all across this world. There will be increase in the works of people's hands and in everything they're doing. God will give them increase. He'll bless them because they'll be obeying him. And so God wants us to rejoice. We're rejoicing in the knowledge that God will have a total victory over Satan the devil. The world will change. There is going to be a time of peace and prosperity and joy and all the problems that we see today that can become overwhelming will be a thing of the past. There won't be the crime and the violence and the disease and you know, all of the things that people uh, struggle with. All of those things will be gone. And instead, there'll be increase, there'll be rejoicing, there'll be joy. And God wanted us to think about this time. He wants us to think about this time that's coming and especially do so during the Feast of Tabernacles. It's to remind us every year about this time that's coming, that the world will be completely different when Jesus Christ returns, and we won't have the wars and the violence and all of the problems. So we are to rejoice. We are to rejoice, and we can rejoice, knowing that God will intervene, and there'll be complete and total victory, and this world will change. Notice Leviticus uh, 23 pick up one passage here, Leviticus 23, and we'll start in verse 41 and look at that verse. It says, And you shall keep it a feast unto the eternal seven days in the year. Again, this is talking about the Feast of Tabernacles. It shall be a statute forever in your generations, and you shall celebrate it in the seventh month. It's, it's to be kept forever. Most people do not keep the Feast of Tabernacles today, but God commands us to keep it forever without knowledge of the feast and what it pictures. All that people have left is just trying to have some passing cares in this life, but it ends in great hopelessness because of what, what is there to look forward to? What good is coming? Well, the good that's coming that we have to look forward to is this millennial rule of Jesus Christ. Now, God uses two harvests, the one in the spring and the one in the autumn. Of course, the one in the spring is small. The one in the autumn is very large. He uses those seasons and the holy days within those to picture his plan of salvation. There's a small harvest of saints in this world. At this time, and then there is this future larger harvest after Christ returns. And without God's holy day plan, people have no idea about this. And so they look around at this world and they think, why doesn't God intervene? Not understanding that a plan is being worked out very specifically 
and it has everything to do with the holy days, which picture God's plan of salvation for mankind. This is a quote from Lesson 34 of our Correspondence Course. You can sign up for the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course and take it for free, and it'll take you through so many areas of your Bible and give you this this overview of your Bible, but also it gets into great detail here about the holy days. So important, so key, and yet overlooked by many people. Lesson 34 says this, The Feast of Tabernacles lasts a full seven days, and this shows that God's great second harvest of mankind will take a long period of time to be reaped. For 1,000 years... People will be born physically, called by God, and after fulfilling their life's purpose of growing in God's character, they'll be born into his family as spirit beings. What a great plan. I mean, there's hope in every level of that plan. Great joy, great hope, so much rejoicing because of that. And this feast is so important, along with all of God's holy days and the Sabbath, It's so important that Jesus Christ kept it, and he kept all of God's holy days, and he kept the weekly Sabbath. And yet, why don't most professing Christians do as Christ did? Keep these days. We are to keep them. God tells us to. Jesus Christ himself, when he came to this earth, he also kept the feast, set us an example, and he told others to do so as well. And we can see this in John 7. John 7 and verse 2, it says, Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. So a person might read that and say, well, okay, the feast is for the Jews. And if somebody, you know, finds out that a person keeps the feast, they often think, well, they're Jewish. But the feast is not just for the Jews, it's for everyone. Now the feast was identified this way, the way John's talking about it, for two reasons. Uh, One is because those of the tribe of Judah were still keeping it. It identified it because the Jews were keeping it, and other tribes of Israel had stopped at this point. But the Jews also failed to keep God at the center of their feast observance. So they were keeping it more as their own tradition and not keeping God at the center of it. Correspondence Course Lesson 34 again. It says, the Apostle John called the celebration the Jews' feast, and we should not interpret this to mean that God intended only the Jews to keep the feast. John was writing primarily for Gentiles and before conversion. The Gentiles saw the feasts only as part of the different religion of the Jews. By this time, the nation of Israel had lost the knowledge of God's holy days. Judah, that tribe, on the other hand, had preserved the Old Testament scriptures the festivals of God, and God's calendar. They kept the oracles. So it would have been natural for John to distinguish the feast he was referring to by naming the people who were keeping it. So again, you can see, you have to understand who he's writing to and how they would understand what John was writing. What feast is he referring to? I mean, there's lots of different feasts that people could keep. This was the Jews' feast. Oh, it's the Feast of Tabernacles. That's what Judah was keeping. So it's an identifier. Quote continues, beyond that, John was also drawing attention to the fact that it was the Jews' feast because God was not in their celebration of it. The Jews were, at that very time, 
plotting to kill the Son of God. Now that's amazing to think about. There's a lot to think about there. And we'll discuss some more of that as we go. But again, most people don't even keep the feast today. But then also, there are instances where people do technically keep it, but not with the right attitude and not worshiping God as they should. And that was the case in Christ's day, where there were, of course, many people at the feast. And while at the feast, they're trying to kill the Son of God. That's very sobering to think about. A person could go to the feast a in the wrong place or b uh, with the wrong attitude and that would just be a, a bad situation so it's very important that we keep the feast in the right place in the right way notice a little further down here this is in john 7 verses 8 through 10 jesus christ says in verse 8 go you up onto this feast i go not up yet unto this feast for my time is not yet come But he gives that command there, go you up to the feast. He's telling us, go up, you go keep the feast. Verse 9, when he had said these words unto them, he abode still in Galilee. In verse 10, when his brethren were gone up, what did Jesus do? Then he went also up unto the feast. Not openly, but as it were in secret. So we can see, again, that Christ gave the command to go to the feast. That command is still in effect today. Jesus himself also went. But then, as we see, and as we'll read here in a minute, he he did attend the whole feast, but he had to be careful. Why? Because people were trying to kill him. Unusual circumstance. Lesson 34 says, Jesus had been present at the feast from the first day, although he did not stand up to teach until near the middle of the seven days. You can read about that in verse 14. He had arrived secretly and remained out of the limelight because certain of the religious leaders were seeking to murder him. They were seeking to murder him. But Christ told people, go up to the feast. And then he went as well, but he just had to be a little bit careful because they were looking for him to do him harm, ultimately to kill him. So again, it's amazing today when we look at what the Bible says. It's amazing that so many people who claim to follow Christ don't keep the feast They don't have anything to do with it, and yet claim to be Christian. Well, but the days they're keeping are not in the Bible. We have a whole booklet, Pagan Holidays or God's Holy Days of Witch, which talks about the holy days we are to be keeping, the ones that are in the Bible, Feast of Tabernacles, of course, being one of them. That's a free book at thetrumpet.com. But many people don't keep the feast. Christ said to go up to it, keep it. He did. And then it's also amazing, as I mentioned earlier, and and very sobering to realize that a person could observe the feast but do it the wrong way. How about the religious leaders of Jesus Christ's day? They were observing the feast, but they were trying to kill the Son of God. So clearly, they weren't keeping it as they should. So again, that's a real warning for us. We should keep it, but we should keep it the right way. And of course, we have to keep it where... God places his name, and he does that through his government, through his church. We have to know where God is working. We have to know what we need to be doing today, and we need to be keeping the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, many in the time of Christ were keeping the feast, but again, not doing it in the right way. Those of the tribe of Judah, anyway, and many others weren't even keeping it, and we see the same trends today. But God the Father and Jesus Christ, they do want us to keep the feast. They tell us to. 
eventually, all nations will keep the feast after Christ returns. You know, today it might be a little bit rarer for a person to keep the feast. Well, after Christ returns, it'll be a very rare thing for somebody to not keep the feast. And that won't last very long if they do that. All nations are going to keep the feast. This is for everybody. The feast is for all people. Why? Because God's plan of salvation is for all people. It's for everybody. Notice Zechariah 14. This gives us a picture of what will happen after Jesus Christ returns to this earth. Zechariah 14 and verse 9. And the Eternal shall be king over all the earth. In that day shall there be one Lord and his name one. So there won't be a variety of religions and a variety of ideas. It'll be the true religion of God. And people will, as we'll see here, keep the feast. Notice verse 16. And it shall come to pass that every one that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of tabernacles. Keep the Feast of Tabernacles. That's what everyone will be doing. Correspondence Course Lesson 34 says, The Feast of Tabernacles is a time of great rejoicing. For ancient Israel, it was a time of rejoicing because the abundant winter's food supply was taken in just before the feast. But the feast has far greater significance for God's church today. It pictures, is a foretaste of, the prosperity, happiness, joy, universal peace, that will exist worldwide under the righteous rule of Jesus Christ. Universal adherence to God's laws and way of life will make the world tomorrow a supremely happy place, a utopia. Now, there's a lot of different festivals in this world that are not of God, and people like to, I guess, have fun at those and maybe have some momentary excitement. But there's no vision in it, and it ends up using a lot of regret and sadness and disappointment, or the fun fades. But God's holy days, there's a plan there. There's a picture there. The plan of salvation for mankind. Great hope and the Feast of Tabernacles is a major part of that plan. And it looks ahead to that time when Jesus Christ will return to this earth and then what that world will be like. Because, again, there will be universal adherence to God's laws and way of life. And that's what makes the world tomorrow a supremely happy place and a utopia. We need to be keeping the Feast of Tabernacles today and be doing it where God places his name and with the right attitude. And then we can truly rejoice, not only at the feast, but then throughout the entire year. That's all the time we have for this edition of Live by Every Word. If you'd like to learn more about the Feast of Tabernacles, sign up for the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course, Lesson 34, especially deals with this wonderful feast. You can also look at Pagan Holidays or God's Holy Days, which that's a free booklet, and it's at thetrumpet.com. That's all the time we have for today on this edition of Live by Every Word. I'm Dwight Falk. Thank you for spending some of your time with me. Until next time, let's all strive to more perfectly live by every word of God. You've been listening to Live by Every Word on Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm and thetrumpet.com.